what we've got here is failure to communicate. Nine times. Mr. Brown. Mr. White. You know, for kids. Mr. Blonde. Mr. Blue. Mr. Orange. Mr. Pink. Why am I Mr. Pink? I see dead people. 1.21. Their obsession. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. No, I'm just getting warmed up. Their words. I'll ask you again. Did I urinate on your rug? I drink your milkshake. Someone else's movie. I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god, not the god. Directors, screenwriters, actors, and film fanatics record feature-length audio commentaries for the films that changed their life. I want you to get up now. How come Andrew gets to get up? That's right. If he gets up, we'll all get up. It'll be anarchy. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! That's the sidetrack. Do you think you're out of tune? Consequence Podcast Network. Happy Halloween! It's Wolfman Mac Gerber here, and I've been out all evening. I've hit all the best houses, and I'm finally back with a bag of tricks and treats. That's right, we asked you to supply us with questions for the Halloweenies, and you did not disappoint. But before we open up this bag of goodies, I have two Halloweenies here who I like to refer to as Trick and Treat. Uh, which is which? I'll let them decide. Uh, let's throw it over to my brother uh, from the same mother. Uh, thank you very much. This is, um, and, and thank you very much, Mackenzie Gerber. I don't think you introduced yourself. Wolfman I, Mac. I did, I think. <laughs> Maybe I did. Did you really? <laughs> well, I've I already didn't. lost track after not even one minute of this podcast, so I'm sure this is going to go swimmingly. Uh, yeah, my name is Postmaster Witchfinder Justin Gerber. I am, uh, <laughs> they call me Trick. Uh, oh. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a little tricky. I'm a little tricky, much like the, the famous 90s artist, I believe, from the UK. If somebody wants to correct me on that, let me know. And it's going to be, I, I'm looking forward to answering a lot of these questions. I know that um, we always answer the questions from our, our Patreon patrons. They're, they're guaranteed to be answered, and unless they're too similar to earlier episodes when we already answered that question. They can listen to those episodes, I guess, right? But, uh, yeah, I'm, look, I'm thrilled to be here. There are three vaccines. I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's kick it over to uh, the, on the other side of the pond. Uh, this is uh, Dan. I guess I'm Treat. Dan Treat Caffrey. Treat Williams. <laughs> treat three Williams. Vaccines is a treat. Best Treat Williams movie, hot take, Once Upon a Time in America, <laughs> I think. I um, don't think it's a hot take. <laughs> you can keep your deep rising and your well, you know, What's that theater. movie we got, we've yet to watch, Justin Prince, uh, The City? Oh, I heard that's good. Sidney yeah, Lumet's yeah, Prince of the City. Yeah. He's the lead. He's like this uh, this uh, cop who who rats on other cops. Apparently, who like uh, tries to uh, work the system from the inside. It's supposed to be good. 
That's, I, hey, you know, I like Treat Williams. I, I guess I don't have a strong opinion about him either way, but I, I like what I've seen him in. I actually like Deep Rising. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, and you know what else is a lot of fun is this new vaccine. Um, Johnson it, Johnson. It sounds like we're, we're promoting it in hopes that we get it because <laughs> yeah. neither of you have been vaccinated. Well, to yet, be fair, right? this this episode no. is on the is on the main feed. And it is sponsored by Johnson & Johnson. <laughs> they do great baby shampoo and saving lives, thank you very much, across the world. Yeah. So we appreciate it. I want, I want it. I want it now. I want, I want it, it soon. Want In Atlanta, it. they just opened up the next category. So hope, hope, I'm, we're, I'm at the bottom, like most well, of they, we're, we're actually going to back on, if you heard this, in Chicago, we're about to be in 1C. And 1C includes podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I can't. We're essential I cannot, workers. Cannot wait for that. I hope uh, all of our Patreon members that brought us these questions. I hope they're riddled with vaccine questions as well, because obviously we are at the <laughs> forefront of knowledge on that. Um, but first off, I'm going to kick it off uh, with our question from Greg Green, who writes: Question from a Texan: Can you recommend any horror movies that would resonate with people who had extended loss of power, heat? And maybe even water. He threw out a couple. Um, he threw out a couple here, but I don't want to mention them uh, until we've. Well, I guess you guys have seen them. It's Krampus and The Shining, <laughs> uh, so don't <laughs> choose those. But uh, yeah, um, I thought of a weird one, but I think Sunshine, Danny Boyle's Sunshine, mm. because oh, that yeah. is actually kind of like not only becomes is a horror the world movie at the end of it. Lo- yeah, absolutely, and not only is the world losing heat <laughs> via the sun but uh i think the ship is constantly failing throughout that and they have to go with less and less resources and i think that that's kind of a cool way to i mean honestly if you are dealing with a loss of power or heat i'm not sure how you're supposed to watch anything if you have a loss of power but if you're in that kind of scenario i think watching something like this can give you things the fun anxiety of that but not hit too close to home <laughs> you know what i mean uh, what about you two? I it's fu- it's funny because I, the movie I immediately picked. I'm trying to think. I'm like, wait, do they? I'm pretty sure they do lose power and heat at one point. In the the lodge, they do, right? I, oh, they, that was one of my picks too. Yeah. Oh, well, and and I think the lodge yeah. is. I mean, it's funny because I was in um, to the fellow Texan. I was in Austin during the the snowstorm, and we thankfully didn't lose power um, or heat. We 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 lost hot water and internet, but a lot of my friends lost pretty much everything during that. So I was trying to think, yeah, what would be scary? And I think because you really couldn't go anywhere. So you just felt really claustrophobic and the lodge to me really, really plays on claustrophobia and this idea of just being holed up in one place for a long time. And funnily enough, it's the last movie I saw in the theaters before the pandemic. So that movie feels extra scary and resonant for me. So that was, that was my pick, but uh, trick. I'm sorry. I picked your trick daddy. (laughs) I'm sorry. I picked you. You know, I I anticipated, you know, we, we have a lot of bleed over. I feel like we've known each other for a long time and you Mm -hmm. know, this is going to happen. We're going to have bleed over, but that's why I chose a few more just to be safe. Yeah, um, so I've got the original, in terms of losing power, I've got the original Assault on Precinct 13. Uh, oh, hey, oh, yeah, that's a good great. idea. Um, the, the gangs, the, the main gang, you know, shuts them off, and even though they're at this, you think that the police station would be the safest place to be, well, you know, if you're a cop. Um, <laughs> but little do they know that without any power and resources and telephone lines, they're just as, you know, fallible as anybody else would be really great movie if you haven't seen it you should definitely see it because it does kind of like how um, Sunshine becomes a horror movie Assault of Precinct 13 is almost like a zombie movie in some ways with yeah. the way that the, the gang members are totally there's like very little dialogue they're, they're like just, they just keep Michael coming Myers through is. oh definitely yeah. yeah you can see the influence in Halloween 
And it's definitely um, totally And also the influence in Escape from New York, because the mm-hmm. lead in that is very much Snake Plissken esque. And yeah, for um, I think for Heat and Losing Food, I had uh, The Lodge, like you said. Uh, damn. And then, in the twist, um, as opposed to. Uh, well, I guess this would this would be a twist kind of. I, I had Waterworld. Because what's the opposite of, lo- of of worrying about losing all of the water? You'll be having too much water. So it's my, my little twist, kind of like the Midnight Sun episode of The Twilight Zone. I want a little twist there at the very end of my answer. And again, if you haven't seen the Midnight Sun episode of The Twilight Zone. Oh, that's really good, too. Isn't there, uh, so in Waterworld, there's that one scene where he gets attacked by that weird shark slash whale kind of thing that's kind of horrific a little bit you know it's 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 like i'd say it's the jaws of post-apocalyptic water fiction <laughs> i think, I think. I'm, I'm celebrating the, the 27 year anniversary of having last saw water <laughs> yeah, world no so I, I, if, anything <laughs> I you say i totally anything. believe if you said yeah. yeah and then a giant gorilla hybrid crocodile attacks to this hopper and takes his eye i'd believe it i wouldn't i would not <laughs> i could not dispute it either way the other, I just thought of that. What's the movie with um, um, uh, Alan Arkin? Wait Until Dark? It's based on the play, right? Oh, that yeah, that's called? another power outage one. That's a that's good That's a good one. power. I guess there's a lot of horror movies where the power does go out. I mean, even in some of the Halloween movies, Gremlins. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of movies where the power goes the out. The lead in that is blind, and there's, the power goes out at one point because she tries to gain the upper hand, but that's kind of... But then the refrigerator alert. I'm <laughs> kind spoiling of the ending. Yeah, sorry. Um, that's the best part but of the movie. Yeah, but it's, right. it's really good, though. Audrey yeah. Hepburn. Yeah. Yep. yeah, Audrey Hepburn's really good in that. Um, and Alan Arkin. I don't know why I'm leaving him out. Uh, who wants to take the next question? You go ahead, Jeff. Okay, I'll, I'll ask this. This is from a David Gonzalez. Good question. It's just kind of a, you know, it's got this, this, this is a long-ranging question, wide-ranging question. Uh, he says, besides the thing and the fly, what is the best use of practical effects in a horror film, and why is it society? Because <laughs> society, the uh, More of a statement. society... <laughs> is it Brian Yuzna's Society, who yeah. also worked on, I think he wrote or produced uh, Reanimator and those other Stuart Gordon movies. Had you had either of you seen, I didn't see that until it was on Joe Bob. I, I hadn't really heard of Society until then. Oh. Did, you, were you, did you all grow up watching Society or anything no. like that? No. Mac and I actually watched it on Shudder, but it was not with Joe Bob. It was, I think it was right before, or maybe, we just didn't watch it with Joe Bob, but I, we watched yeah. it on Shudder. Yeah, we just, that was like one of the last flicks we watched pre covid right Pre-band you might be right you yeah. came over yeah. and we watched society <laughs> twisted that movie is um, effed up yeah. and the, the I mean, special it, it effects is, in that are absolutely amazing it is funny because I, yeah, I do think the special effects are great in the movie but i don't know i, I not that i dislike the movie necessarily but it's so prolonged we only we only see really two, the you know the one minor sequence and then of course the big major sequence at the very at the end of it the shunting scene and so it's funny because I know everyone praises the practical effects in that movie, and they are in, they are great. But I think because it's not really evenly distributed throughout, it's actually not the first thing that comes to mind for me when I think of um, you know best practical effects in, in a horror movie. Yeah. Um, well, but it is great. It, I mean, it's a great scene. It definitely is. What, so what for you? Because the first movies that come to my mind are The Thing and the Fly, so I oh, had yeah, to really 100%. think outside the box. So what, it, what were for, for you? Totally, yeah. I, you know what? I'm gonna. I, you know, I thought about like like Alien, Aliens, Gremlins, things like that. Um, anything of the good creature, right? But honestly, I rewatched it recently, and I, it holds up so well. Especially the effects is Pumpkinhead, and I think that's because oh, wow. Stan Winston directed it, even though he technically didn't 
do the effects for it. He actually had his, he kind of promoted his normal team to take lead on the effects. I think the guy who's in the suit actually handled a lot of them. But th they show a lot of Pumpkinhead. They, I mean, they reveal it really strategically. And once they do, it looks great. And they show a ton of motion from it, which is pretty astounding given the year that it came out. You know, you can tell sometimes when they're covering up things. But Pumpkinhead... I mean, you see the entire thing, and it, it's also a tall creature, which also always freaks me out, height, like really tall beings. Um, yeah, and I feel like I, I, people like Pumpkinhead. I don't think it gets think to, thought of as one of the ultimate practical effects movies, but, man, I, I, I think it's just as good. It's not as gross as The Thing or The Fly or anything like that, but I think it's just as convincing in, in what it's showing. So that's my pick is, uh, is Pumpkinhead, but what about y'all? I have, you um, know, like you said, yeah. Alien Aliens... Uh, Mac, well, I've got a couple, but if you want to list yours, well, I first thing when I actually did think of was Alien, and I think it mostly—I don't even say special effects, but just like the the, the design, just everything in that movie mm -hmm. is very tangible. Uh, even some of the mad shots feel tangible. Um, but yeah, the, the actual, absolutely the creature design in that, um, from you know the chest burster to the uh, the face huggers. And like all that stuff is just, it's so in your face. And I know that you don't see the alien a whole lot till the end, but the moment you do see it, it isn't just like CG or it's not like you see their point of view, like, oh, you know, like you see the alien, like mm -hmm. reach out for Dallas. You're like, I love that. Um, and then my only other one was another staple, which is American Wear for London. Uh, uh, I think that's yeah, the transformation sequence. Yeah, and just all of the, the people, all of the, victims haunting him like they look awesome <laughs> you know they yeah. look so good and just distorted I, and messed up yeah alien is pretty unique in that you get to see different phases of the creature which mm. uh, which i think is always a cool thing when you see something evolve you know you see that in in shin godzilla and some other some other oh, uh man. creature shin features godzilla. too yeah, it's a, yeah, I know it's it's not all practical. A lot of it's CG, but it, uh, yeah, but yeah, still, that's, it's that's, awesome. Wait, is there a baby Godzilla in Shin Godzilla? <laughs> kind uh, of. It's almost it. It's spoiler alert for anyone's gonna see it. It's it comes out of the ocean. I mean, I guess it is kind of a bit. It's more like evolving very rapidly. So when it comes yeah, out, so it comes out it's, initially. It's, it's it's in a baby form esque. But it's, it's almost like yeah, it's weird. almost like a giant tadpole or something. It's, it's, it's so like cool. and it has like a waddle yeah. on it. It's really it's, it's freaky. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Shin, a scary. Shin Godzilla. Like, <laughs> I think it's got to go on. Yeah. Um, well, for me, yeah, I, I actually, yeah, you know, I mentioned, I was going to mention Alien Aliens, American Wolf of London. I think under really underrated uh, would be Fright Night. I think the, the special effects oh, in that movie are man, amazing. Right. Yeah. Um, but my choice, I actually say, and I think this is, for me, the easily the least of the three in, in Romero's Dead trilogy, but I think Day of the Dead, uh, the finale especially, in, in terms of practical effects in, in the horror film, is pretty amazing. Um, I, I always remember... There's a, one of the the army guys when he's getting his head torn off, and <laughs> yeah, he's screaming, stretchy. and it gets higher and higher because his vocal cords are being stretched. Ugh. I, it's just little things like I mean, obviously that's actually more sound design than this. <laughs> yeah, but it's attention to detail, but, like you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's everything coming together. Yeah, and just which I think if you just have and like people's eyes being ripped out from their their skull, it's just. Who, who's the guy who gets disemboweled? Joe, Joe Polito, is that his yeah, name? They, yeah, he, oh man. And, but apparently they used, like, raw, they used actual like tripe for that. Like yeah, raw, raw, raw tripe. It smelled yeah. awful on the set. Yeah. Because I think Dawn of the I Dead is it. incredible <laughs> and so the special effects in that. But mm -hmm. um, just because, you know, it's, it's, I think it's five years later, inevitably this, the look of the blood and, and the special effects just kind of get better and better. And that's why I think Day of the Dead does reign supreme that, uh, in, that, in that regard. 
goes that extra mile. Mac and I always laugh at. Uh, I don't. Remember, I think it's the behind the scenes. I wrote this Wendy. into the into the finale. Here. Oh, I know what you're going to talk about. <laughs> oh, wait, the, oh, wait, should, should I save it? No, then? no, no. It? We could say it now so people know what it is. <laughs> wait, Go so, ahead. it's it's it, I think it's when Day of the Dead first came out on DVD back in the 2000s, and there's a behind the scenes documentary on all the films, and they're talking to George Romero about it because Day of the Dead, I think. Didn't have a great reputation for a while, and it's, it's improved over time. And so he's talking about how it always has a soft spot in his heart. And you know, he's he's saying, oh, you know, you know, uh, you know, people people will uh, really praise the prestige of Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's the real trolls that love Day of the Dead. <laughs> he, gets, <laughs> he gets this devilish grin on his face, like he really likes the people. And so Mac and I would, ju- yeah, we just always say that. So yeah, uh, the real trolls, it. the real trolls. So love them. Yeah. Uh, very cool, Dan. Uh, Dan, why don't you take the next yeah. question? Unless there's something else we, I mean, a lot of movies well, have I good practical effects, every, but the best. We mentioned yeah. every movie, yeah. every horror movie that's yeah. ever good special. The effects. Howling has a good. I mean, it's kind <laughs> of Justin's it's funny, laid. Can, Justin's laid down the law. We've mentioned it all, like, folks. I feel like they always get pit against each other in terms of transformation sequences. But the Howling and American Werewolf, I know, you know, I know. The problem with the Howling is the woman sitting there watching it the whole time. And so it's, <laughs> I said the it, same it thing. Like, We've been having this argument yeah, yeah. for, I think, 15 years. I'm telling you, she's <laughs> in absolute shock at a long. monster coming to life. She's in shock. But there's, a, there's true, enough yeah. time there where you're like, I could probably get around this thing and walk out the door. <laughs> she's in shock. This is, this is the equivalent of, look, if you're going to complain about that, then we can't complain about people complaining about Lori leaving the knife behind in Halloween. Can't do no, it. No, that's true. Oh, no, that's not, I mean, everybody, you can complain about all these things because no, no one you cannot you legally react. complain in front of me. No. about. I, I don't care what you say about horror. If you're complaining about Halloween, is that Lori? Justin, I'm going to give you knife. a new name. You're no longer a trick. You are the lawgiver. Troll. <laughs> troll. <laughs> troll or treat. <laughs> you are the real troll. Yeah. Oh, um, I, do, I, I like that you said Fright Night, though, too. Well, especially as Fright Night, we get a werewolf, we get a vampire bat, we get a vampire. You know, the, I, I always like when and they you have, get Billy. have special things. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the something <laughs> we don't never know what he is. That melting scene. Oh yeah, right? that is the true. Yeah, through, yeah. <laughs> uh, I love it. That's so good. Oh yeah, I guess he's like the Renfield of the you know, yeah of yeah. the uh, the movie. All right. So this next question is from Dylan Sage. Are you happy with the state that horror is in currently? Are there any trends you wish would come back? Uh, Mac, why don't you go first for that one? I, I don't have an answer for this. I really, I, I think I'm pretty happy with the state horror is in because I think that, you know, honestly, it's kind of like a little bit of an event every time a horror movie comes out. And usually lately it's been, they've been pretty decent. I haven't watched anything been like really disappointed or, or, or just like not interested in watching new horror. Like I'm pretty interested in watching all the horror that's coming out right now. I think it's, you've got a smattering of everything in terms of trends coming back. I honestly, I don't want trends to come back. I'm kind of at the at the end of the road of nostalgia. Like, how many times can we repeat tropes and, you know, pay homage to, like, give me the new horror. Like, what's next? Like, what is the next thing that's going to really wow everybody? Because I can't picture it in my head. And so I'm, like, really looking forward to that. But what about you two? Is there, is there something that's been lost along the way that you'd like to see return? I mean, it, it's always funny when it comes to pop culture about bemoaning the state of how things are, how they used to be. I, you know, I don't know. I, I just have always looked at it like there's never going to be a shortage of good stuff to me. I will, if I live to be 100, and I hope I do, I will never get to watch all the good movies out there, including all the good horror movies, right? And I'm someone who watches a lot of horror movies. And I, I, I will say this. I do think because of social media and maybe because we've all been stuck indoors a little bit, this is, doesn't have so much to do with the movie them, movies themselves. 
I do think from a fan perspective, we are labeling a lot of things as great that I think are good or solid, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, like, I don't, th- like, P- I kept seeing all this stuff about 2020, like, oh my God, there were like 20 great horror movies this year. And I'm like, no, I think there were 20 good horror movies, and there are maybe a handful of great ones. But I think that's always been the case, right? Even some of the stuff from the 80s that we all love to watch. Um, I mean, I love the Friday the 13th movies. They are certainly not all great, right? There's a few exactly, of them I think yeah. that are that are great. So yeah, so I don't I don't want to yeah I don't really th- I, I don't I don't I think the state of current state of horror is great. I love the prestige horror that we're getting, like Hereditary and Midsummer and The Lodge, things like that. There still seems to be a healthy appetite for um, really campy, gross horror that we see on Shudder a lot. There's movies that subvert those things, like The Love Witch. Um, I actually think horror is in a more diverse state it is than it than it was back you know, in yeah. any other decade, both in terms of who's making it, who's in it, um, and what kinds of movies we're getting. I mean, I guess I, guess I would, you know, I always like to see more practical effects. Um, CGI blood I never like. Uh, but mm. I also, I don't know, when I watch new horror movies, I'm not like, oh, it's all CGI. I still think there's a lot of, lot of good movies with uh, with some really good practical effects. So, so yeah, I, I agree with you, Mac. I'm, I'm, I am very much happy with the state of horror, and, and we have so much access to it now, too, with stuff like Shudder. Uh, what about you, uh, Trick? <laughs> what do you think? Thanks, Treat. Um, <laughs> I could actually sit here. So I could talk about you know bemoan. Oh, and you know in the old days they did this and that, and and some of those points would probably be very valid. I, I agree with you, Dan, to the point where I, I think that because of the last year we're, we're all kind of looking for anything, right? So everything will be heightened. So if we think something's pretty good, we might be like, oh, that was really great. And if we think something didn't work, we could get really aggressive about it, right? And I also think just in terms of trying to get eyes, it only really works if you say something absolutely sucks or something is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like people don't, people are not going to really interact with you if you thought something was pretty good or, or didn't quite work. If you, if you use like, you know, kind of polite terms, you have to get kind of really aggressive or demanding with your takes to, to get those responses. But that's more about the culture surrounding horror yeah, movies exactly. as opposed to horror movies themselves. I think sometimes, you know, we see some recent horror movies that have got great premises that have subtext that kind of becomes the overwhelming text and yeah, that I'd to me that. you know when you lose the horror of it all and, and for me horror does not mean you have to have blood and guts and a thousand jump scares but I think with a horror movie you do need to have some suspense some intrigue and some mystery at least if you're not going to have those other elements right but I think sometimes we get we get lost in oh well this act well, the whole movie actually meant this and isn't that great? Well, for me is well that would be great, but how's the movie? Yeah. Well, and you know? do you feel like too? I mean, I remember on and I'm not saying this is it's not good or I mean, this isn't against the quality of it, but I remember I feel like people were trying and this gets to one of our questions later, but people were trying to um, say I may destroy you was like a horror series, and and I'm like. Look, I'm not I'm not knocking the quality, and there there are elements of it that are definitely disturbing. But I don't know if I would call it no, horror. It I would feel like a, there wasn't a monster, there wasn't a killer in it, there wasn't some unexplainable. Thi- there were there were things that were I guess humanly horrific about it, but yeah, it didn't. Genre, I'm like this is not genre wise a horror movie. I, I, I guess see a lot I, of that. I, like, you know, because Mac, I don't know, yeah. did you ever see I, I May Destroy You, Mac? You know, I started watching it, but the, the content I wasn't. I wasn't there. It's heavy. mentally at the time. Yeah, yeah it's I think the content. I'm going to come comp- back to it. The movie comp would be, I guess, like The Accused, right? If you want to say The Accused is yes. a horror movie. Because there's definitely horrific... You know, there's, Dan, there are horrific elements in it. 
but I don't think it's a horror series. By yeah. Means. Yeah. yeah, horror I mean, is very tied like, to you know, crimes to against humanity and, and things that are awful, things that happen to humans happen in a lot of movies, but that, that's not that's not like make it a horror film. And I also think. To, I wouldn't say oh, no. I'll, I'll not say that because I think that that kind of lessens horror. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I, I don't. I from what I watched, and I, I got a few episodes in. I, I really liked it. I just, but I don't. I would not categorize it as horror necessarily. Yeah, no. I mean, I think I think with horror there needs to be a certain type of amount of strategy behind it. Like you, you're, there are tactics that you're using to scare people, which mm-hmm. is different from tactics that you're using to unnerve people and hit at their their thematic buttons right and a horror movie can do both those things too of course but i do think there is a i think horror movies are have to be much more mechanical even prestige horror movies there has to be a a certain amount of schematics into place that that, that are solely to scare people I, I guess would be my criteria i don't know if that's that's accurate or not but yeah yeah no yeah um i'm gonna move it to the next question which is from rudy a martinez who writes have you ever read the script for the unproduced Thing sequel. This is Return of the Thing. It was supposed to be a two-night event on Sci-Fi back in 2005. Uh, Frank Darabont was going to produce it, <laughs> great, <laughs> and possibly direct. <laughs> and it was written by David Leslie Johnson, who wrote on The Walking Dead, Orphan, Conjuring 2, <laughs> and upcoming third movie. As soon as I saw Conjuring 2, this is me not talking, this is Mac talking. As soon as I saw Conjuring 2, uh, I thought, oh no, like what is this going to be? However, uh, after reading the synopsis of both uh, parts of the miniseries, I guess, or whatever, and this review that Justin sent to us, I actually liked it a lot. (laughs) I was actually, I mean, in terms of what can you do with a direct sequel, I thought it was pretty interesting justin you have a uh synopsis of it right or do you have a brief synopsis of it or i can if um well dan had you ever heard of this i had heard of it I'm, honestly this was the first time i had really done any investigating into it you know i i had i had read the synopsis of like the thing video game and some of the other co- the comics some of the things that come out after this but yeah this is the first time i really i mean i didn't i didn't i just read the synopsis and kind of skimmed the scripts a little bit but cool. yeah, did you read the whole thing well justin, I, I um well it's look it's like you're reading two movies and screenplay yeah. form. And the thing with reading horror screenplays is some of so much of it is visual. So I didn't want to give it a, a judgment with the script. But I did read. Mm-hmm. I can read this breakdown that um, is from Patrick Soriel. This is back in like 2009, by the way, folks. This is this is a, a long time ago from Corona Coming Attractions. We do we do appreciate the drink Corona. I'm not sure if that was the actual sponsor of this website, but. Um, I can blaze through this if you want. If you ever want to sit back and listen, I'm just going to read the synopsis pretty much. I'm not going to go into the um, the details, the play by play, or the, or the ending, yeah, or the twists long. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so it actually begins with a recap of the final showdown between Charles McReady before flashing ahead six months, and um, Soviets actually hear fragments of Windows rescue call during the first winter storm, and they arrive destroyed camp they find the frozen bodies of McCready and Childs and salvage what they can so McCready and Childs according to this version were both human after all but so uh, I mean if they were just frozen then maybe when they thaw out well no spoilers but that's not the case for this play at least <laughs> yeah, for this yeah. show at least um, <laughs> spoilers but yeah and so but then most of the story actually jumps ahead 23 years which would make sense if this came out in 2005 right because I think the thing was 82 um 
and it follows two storylines. It follows um, Little Bear and another man named Gates who chase after the Thing Coyote, which is kind of akin to the Thing Wolf from the original. And to try to contain the spread of the organism by killing the other Thing-infected creatures. It also follows Lukanov, the members of the government strike team, and the townsfolk of Christmas. Most of this takes place in New Mexico, by the way, which is kind of a twist on the cold to the heat, you know? Yeah. And they come to realize that several of them are not human anymore. A lot of this sounded to me like it was almost like a backdoor pilot to a series. It could, could easily have been. However, <laughs> the way like it, about it goes about the situation, you know? towards the end, you're just like, holy crap. I mean, if it, if it became a series, I think it would have been really like over... I don't know what they would have done because you would have had to go... I mean, like... Because it definitely goes outside of Christmas at the end, you know. what I mean, like in, the, in terms yeah, of yeah, it seems it would it, it would be more like global or or even, you know, all of the United States or something. Uh, and you could do a ton with that, I think. But I don't know how long you could keep that going. Yeah. And it would be really expensive if because if you want, you know, botan uh, botina special effects. Excuse me, <laughs> if you want those special <laughs> effects. I mean, that's going to get really expensive, I think, well, <laughs> over the course of the That's the, the scare, series. right? Because, you know, who's doing the special effects for this 2005 sci-fi channel movie? You know, I don't know how great well, it's going to look. The, wasn't that around the time of Battlestar Galactica? I mean, wasn't yeah, that, like, that been good sci-fi been stuff? Yeah, but special effects-wise, we're not talking about, like, it's a different type of special effect for making fake Cylons. Yeah, like but I, I do think these that... This is like, you know, your, your stomach's ripping up with teeth. You know what I mean? I guess I think I'm, this would be CGI hell. We presuppose that Rob Botton comes back. Nah, <laughs> no season. way. No what way. I'm just saying is like, I'm saying per the... Per what I read, that was the version I was trying to look at it like. You know, like if it was very practical effects heavy, then yes. But again, like you said, Justin, so much of it relies on the actual execution Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, it's almost like reading a, a, a comedy. I think comedies and horror are like the hardest things to replicate live or, or uh, as a play or something like that. And I think when you're reading a script of that, so much is in your imagination. Um, and, and translating that is the, the hardest part. So, you know, we really just have to be like, okay, well, if it if it was produced in the way that I'm envisioning it, yeah, I think it, it could have been really effective, you know, because I'm envisioning it with all of these same special effects, all an actual sequel to the thing, you know what I mean? Like, that was the version I saw in my head, and I was like, yeah, I think this could be pretty good. It almost was kind of like a mashup to me in my head of, like, the remake of The Blob. The way that the mm. the thing goes runs rampant in the town, it's because they, they had the blob and the thing a very similar assimilation kind of goopy, cr- gross, you know, taking over the town kind of thing. Um, except the thing's worse because you know it, essentially it, it doesn't just kill you; it turns you into the thing, and then you're running around. You know, it's another thing running around. You know, so uh, yeah, it's, I, it's also tough too because if if the thing if the, if the goal, I mean, once again, we don't know if it was a ser- gonna be a backdoor probably for sure but if it was and they expanded into a full series i almost feel like you would have to go further into the thing's mythos at some point and what i like about the thing is that it's it's pure instinct right it doesn't have it's not the cylons that have 
all these spiritual and philosophical undertones and motivations baked into it. And I almost feel like if you kept the thing going as a villain, you would have to get into some of that, which would be stupid. But I, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's like said, so hard to tell. Something at towards the end of the the screenplay, uh, there's a moment where they, and again, I think this would have worked as a short little miniseries sequel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think it would have worked as a series, but they 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 realize that electrical impulse uh disturbs it um so like and they they hearken back to the moment where um when the doc puts the the electrical pads on um um oh, when it collapses the, the and chest. Yeah, he collapses yeah. his chest and they're saying that the reason why it did that was because once the host was dead technically or whatever like it it, it didn't like the electrical impulse so all of a sudden it, it tried to get away and that was the secondary test because they're like well what if the blood test what if it learned how to avoid the blood test thing so they're like what, what else can we do so they go that they go that route and then what they do they is smarter. they find they get a thing they trap it and then they start doing the electrical impulse and then after repeated times of electrocuting this thing it starts to change its forms into prior forms that it's had and you see some of the old people from the thing that it had be, that it had become and then you see like an alien, the alien insect civilization that brought it to earth and then you see mm. other forms and then it says it, it cycles through like hundreds of forms until finally it gets to its true form and then they left that out they said they didn't want to spoil it but then they did say that <laughs> i think it does have a dialogue exchange between <laughs> like like very 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 simple just basically like you know like I just I want to end you like I just want to like consume. Hello, everything. I'm the thing. I want to kill everybody. You know, I want. I, I just. I, I don't want to just beat you. I want to be everything. Um, but uh, <laughs> but it is kind of like that. But I, I did like the idea of seeing all of the old, all the other alien mm-hmm. civilizations that it's taken on. I think that's a really cool idea. Do you see like the predator skull or anything like that. Hey, I'm not kidding. You could throw stuff in there and just be like, "Yep, we're gonna say the thing is the the master monster of all time." You know, it's, it's taken it, like, over uh, all these it, species. It turns back into Kurt Russell. He has a cameo. He just goes, miss me? And the episode ends. It was just him laughing from like an audio commentary track. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh by the way, yeah, so part one of this was called Infection. And listen to part two. This is definitely Screams, the year 2005. Part two of this miniseries was called Extreme Amplification. Oof. Yeah. And that's I think you would just go with amplification. That's pretty extreme in itself. I, know. Well, I don't we know if have you to, need to you know, qualify it. Hey, I'm surprised know, it didn't gotta... have like the spelling of extreme, like no E. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> fuck, yeah, fuck. Um, this movie's fucked up. <laughs> and I think they had like the idea of like the uh, the hunt of the thing with those two guys. They were calling it like Skinwalker because that's like lore, uh, you know, of shapeshifters. And I like that. I like bringing that into it. That was kind of cool. Um, I don't know. I, I genuinely was like, no one's tried to do this, so yeah, I think it's a pretty decent idea. You know, like it, it all depends on the execution, but yeah, I don't well, know. The good news is that they it. ended up making the thing movie with all CGI, and everybody hated it in two thousand. I gotta CNN, say, yeah. I don't like the movie as a as a whole. Like, I don't think it quite works, but it's really fun if you are a big fan of the original thing. Uh, or not the original thing, but the remake of the thing, because it really perfectly does kind of set up the next movie. And they they pay so much attention to detail to that film that I have to give it that credit, where it's like, it's fun to see, oh, there's the axe on the wall. I mean, basically, if you go watch the scene where McCready and Blair go to the facility, or not Blair, but the, um, was it Fuchs? Sure. Uh, they go to this facility and they, they, you know, they're looking at everything and all the bodies and ice and all that stuff. 
and then you go watch the movie, it is so good about like showing how that room exploded, how this, how that, how this. It, that's very fun. But the movie, yeah, it, it's kind of like you, you just kind of remade it. So if you if you're watching in order and you watch the you watch in order in terms of like the remake first <laughs> and then the thing it's kind of the same movie so you can't really do it's that, so confusing but. to talk about these because like they're the all called the thing movie either. isn't really a remake but it's called the thing and then the two, but the thing two movie the is the original but it's also a remake you know, right so well, I guess the, yeah is the, is the first one called the thing from the thing from another world so I'm not and then in the book the story is who goes there which is fun yeah who goes there that's a great great title. I actually have a uh, there's a sci-fi illustrator I really love called Douglas Barlow who um, he has all these collections where he just illustrates different uh, different creatures from different science fiction and fantasy novels and he does the thing from who I, he may have even done this before the the 80s movie came out and it's kind of just like you know half husky and then half blue weird shapeless tentacle thing it's a really cool drawing you can probably find it on a, on Google if you look up, if you look, if you Google Douglas Barlow the thing it'll, it'll probably come yeah up. not uh, um, Kurt Barlow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, not another Barlow, blue dude. baddie. You don't want to search for um, him. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least in the TV series. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, so this was a two-part question. The other quick question is: uh, Have you ever considered doing ep- a full episode on unproduced horror scripts? I think that's a pretty good idea. I just don't know how many we get our hands on that well, would be worth actually doing. <laughs> I mean, we've covered some. We've we talked about certain. We've definitely included it, but but doing a full episode, mm-hmm. maybe even. I don't know what that would look like. I mean, obviously, we we would we would come up with different categories and a totally different kind of way of dissecting it. But yeah, because yeah. somebody said like, would you like a fan a fan cast? Um, but it, it, things like that get complicated when it comes to rights and yeah, and, like, and, true, and true. literally reading dialogue and reading an entire script that was probably leaked and not just given away for free to the <laughs> yeah. internet. You know, when, yeah, and I don't feel yeah we're all writers. Like I, I don't I don't know how I feel ethically about that too. Right, like yeah. just reading someone else's work without paying them. I'm, I'm looking at on my desk right now. I have I have the book Taking Shape too, which mm. is um, all about the Halloween scripts and projects that never came to fruition. And the, you know they don't include the I think they include I'm not too far into it yet, but. I, I think they maybe include portions of the dialogue. They don't include the whole scripts, but I mean, yeah, that's yeah, fine. you can find them out there. I mean, I've, I've read a lot of the alternate Halloween ones, um, and we've talked about some of the Friday the Thirteenth ones. I mean, yeah, it's weird. I, 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 I personally feel like it's maybe better just sort of baked in tangentially to what we're already discussing, you know? Um, but I don't know if there were enough of them, like a, ha- a case of Halloween where there's so many of them enough to fill up this huge ass book from Harker press. I mean, yeah, we could, we could probably do some kind of episode. It could be interesting. I think if you want to look for samples, if you're, if you're new to the pod, I mean, honestly, actually in our only other trick and treats episode that Mac was on with me. And I think Mike, we talked about the Nick and Tosca Friday 13th mm. reboot that would have come out oh, that's right. in the teens and it, took, it takes place in the late 80s. We, we, we talked about that for quite a while. I think we actually broke down the entire story. We also, if you go back to Halloween 4, we yeah, talked about definitely. that unproduced uh, sequel idea, and which, which is Dennis, so cool. Dennis uh, Atchison script. Wish, yeah. yeah, it's a good yeah, script. Yeah, the Atchison script. I, like I would have loved to... I think that's my favorite yeah. alternate Halloween script that, that I've read. The, the original H two O one isn't bad either. I mean, it's yeah, um, I gotta read. I'm the I gotta get this book down. Um, it's yeah. good, dude. It's re- they're both good. I got I got both with... them for Christmas, and they're ex. I mean, they are so comprehensive. Um, <laughs> I can't remember if I told you guys this. Uh, in Taking Shape One, which is just about you know the production of, of the whole series, pretty much. They talk about um, how when Mustafa Kad brought when they decide on Halloween four and they decide to bring Michael back. <laughs> 
he sent like an invitation to the the release party, like but from Michael Myers, which is so stupid because <laughs> Michael Myers doesn't talk. There, there, there are tons of. I, I thought I knew everything uh, about this series, and there are tons of stories like that where I'm like, oh god, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they're 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 excellent. They I haven't read Harker Press also has a, uh, I think they have a whole book about the Jaws ride at Universal. Too. I mean, it's, and wow. same authors too. Yeah, it's it's really it's really really good. I, I'm like I said, I'm not through the second one yet, but I highly recommend. The, well, have we talked? Uh, this, this, this would actually figure in. Uh, has anybody ever read the Jaws: The Revenge novelization? No, I have not. <laughs> because have, it's based right? <laughs> on the original script. Is it good? Uh, it's wild because there's it's a whole very subplot yeah. of like drug thing, dealers, right? and this is just from the script. From the script, this is not me being insensitive but there's this whole because they go to Jamaica you know whole subplot with drug dealers who end up uh, and like the head drug dealer ends up on the boat at the end and gets eaten by the shark when he's trying to kill Michael Caine's character who has been a courier for the drug dealers um, <laughs> yeah, and but here's the here's the biggest part though is that the reason you know it's so stupid that the shark follows the Brodies from New York to Jamaica the reason is is because um, Mike Brody's been down there, you know, interfering with the wildlife and, and infuriating the local Jamaicans, including some people who practice voodoo. And so they, <laughs> yeah, I'm not okay. kidding, they can, they <laughs> put a voodoo curse on the family. And then there's a lot of stuff in oh which we follow God. the POV of the actual shark itself and its thoughts. <laughs> and we realize that the shark has been has been cursed by this uh, voodoo woman. It's incredible book to read, oh, though. Man. It's so uh, it's crazy. It's insane. Now, Dan, I you say you haven't read this, but I think you have, and I think that was the original inspiration for Madawan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I do, I do, a, I do have a play about about the first shark attacks in the U.S. and the shark is the main character. And yeah, I, I said, you know what, I'm uh, I'm gonna take this voodoo priestess idea. Get rid of the voodoo priestess. Get rid of that. It's yeah. called Weekend at Amity. <laughs> I was gonna say because isn't the second weekend at Bernie's right? They do the it's like yes. a Bernie's yes. thing. Yes. Oh, God, oh, yeah. man. I can't hey, imagine even watching it now. Jaws: The Revenge much more interesting and exciting of a movie than Jaws three. I will yeah. say I'm not, Jaws I, don't, 3, I do not get bored by yeah, Jaws. Yeah, it's the ugliest looking movie I've ever seen in yeah, my it's life. Awful, man. Not the, the one kill part in another shock. And there is the one part in Jaws: The Revenge. I because I actually think there's I think the opening is actually pretty spooky of of Jaws: The Revenge, but. The part that because Matt Mac just the Michael Caine impression. The part I, I like it's so cringy to me. It's where what is his name Hoagie or something? Sure it was Hoagie, right? Hoagie uh, and and uh, Ellen Brody, they're like flirting with each other at this parade sequence, and it goes on so long. And she's like just kind of dancing around. He's like, oh, I'll really like following her. <laughs> so I like it's just like old people flirtation that just it goes on too long. It makes me cringe. I, I don't like, know. Calm down, Caffrey. Like old people can have love too, all right? <laughs> no, I know, I know they can. But it's just but people always talk about oh, the shark, this or that. I'm like, I can I can get the that sequence just makes me like uncomfortable. I, I don't know. Maybe I need to examine. Some, so, so for Dan, it's like the it's the degloving scene from Gerald's game and Michael Caine dancing. With Lorraine Gray and <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not a fan of wi- widower, <laughs> widower yeah, Brody she, finding she, love again. <laughs> she's dishonoring her husband's memory. Oh gosh! <laughs> All right, who wants to take the next question? Just carry the trick. torch. Yeah, you go ahead, trick. Go ahead, trick. Um, this is a fun question. It's from uh, Andrew Fabry. If you were going to be a late night horror host, what would your host name be? What would be your shtick? And what film would you play for your first show? Okay, I can answer this one for myself. I okay. pay homage to Angus Scrim because I'm a tall man, and I call myself oh, yeah. like the Scrimster. 
you know, ooh, the scrimster is back on a Saturday night at 10 o'clock Eastern time. Not, I, not I, just scrim, just scrim Gerber. Yeah, scrim would be too on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> scrim Gerber. It sounds like a fake movie critic of like a, a Rob Schneider movie or something. Uh, I definitely have a top hat um, and, and glasses and a pencil thin mustache. Well, I'd play it. I would play it very straight. I wouldn't be over the top because there's you know there's options. You can be over the top with it or very like serious, you know, foreboding. I'd probably have like a little bit of a really bad British accent. And my first movie I would show, which would kind of indicate what I like to see when it comes to late night horror hosts and what movies they show. I would show Dead and Buried because I think that would set uh, the tone. Yeah. Not the greatest movie of all time. Not the greatest horror movie of all time. But it's it's cool though. I like it. My focus would definitely be on like. 80s, mid 80s horror movies for sure. I think that's that's the, that those are the most fun to watch late at night, you know, with, with and and you can have commercial breaks and not have it really screw with the mood. So yeah, that that, that would be my answer. Good question, Andrew. That's fun. Yeah, you go, you go, Mac. Oh, okay. Uh, well, my name's already kind of like that yeah, wo- Wolfman there. Mac, <laughs> but I came up with a few others and I want you guys to vote. Mm. Um, us, us or the listeners. <laughs> both uh, you know on, hit the <laughs> socials let me know uh mr gory gerber that's one um why not just gorber jack horror jack horror <laughs> and professor shark eyes oh uh, a little reference shark to eyes. uh Lord no, of Scary Stories read by, uh, what's his face? Joking aside, I probably would do something like Wolfman Mac and then um, have it set in like a really scary radio <laughs> radio room. Uh, mm. I think I'd have like a pal, like a, a marionette black cat that talks or something. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think for the first film that I would show, because scarily enough, by the time I think I would be able to start producing this show, it would be well into the next decade here which makes movies like Fright Night like 30, 40 years old, which is crazy to me. Uh, I'd, I would show Fright Night because I think that's kind of like a great introduction to that. Like if people aren't familiar with this kind of show, well, here's a show about a show like mm. that, you know what yeah. I mean? And so it's kind of like now you know what we're riffing on and now you can be part in, on, in on the joke. And uh, yeah, that would be my first. Yeah, that would be mine. What about you, Dan? Did you, have you come up with any ideas now? <laughs> Yeah, so well, so I remember um, I'm, I got off Facebook for, for at least for the foreseeable future. But a few years ago on Halloween, I remember I was bored. At, it was when I still did, uh, was working at Groupon and was bored at work. And me and a bunch of people, you guys may have been on this thread, I don't remember. We just started doing like bad Halloween horror puns for our names. It was and it just got really silly. And I think I think mine was Dan Cat Freak, F R E A K. I bet you know you can also do Dan Cat Freak, like like you know squealing. Um, as far as my character, I I think I would almost want to do, kind of, almost like Robert Prosky and Gremlins too. Mm. Like not not really scary, you know. You, you, either something where I'm just like dressed up but not actually doing a scary character like he is, or something where I'm just a dude but I'm in like my. Um, dungeon full of vhs movies and i'm easily scared by everything like so kind of like just an extension of myself not doing it too creepy as far as what i would show i I don't know i don't know if this would be popular or not i almost would want to show chronologically like horror movies that stuck with me so like start with with, um creature from the black lagoon because it's the first horror Mm. movie i saw or at least the first one i remember seeing and then go to nightbreed which is the one after that 
and just and sort of make it about my personal journey through horror. I don't know if that would be interesting to people, but if uh, yeah, just off the top of my head, I think I think that's what it would be. But yeah, I kind of like I don't know when you I I, I watched um, uh, every Halloween I watched uh, you know the Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, which is the Disney movie with Legend of Sleepy Hollow yeah. and, and Wind in the Willows, which is not scary. And I kind of like those old Disney movies where the narrator, either you don't see them or they're just sitting there and they're just surrounded by the things that they're going to be talking about, but they're not, but they're not really playing in any kind of weird character necessarily. I think, I think that I, I would, I want to bring back that, uh, that Disney narration style. There's also the like house of Corner. horror. Yeah, mm. no, yeah, no, totally. Actually, that's a really good way to put it. Like a masterpiece yeah. theater. Kind like Vincent Price. Kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, that's a good question, Elegant. though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Elegant. Yeah, be, bring some class to it. Yeah, yeah. that's a fun question. Um, yeah, it's a really good definitely question, something probably. we'll kick around here in the studio. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'll ask the next one here. We're from yeah, Bryant okay. Burnett. Bryant, what's up? It's always fun to discuss what does and what doesn't count as horror. I recently rewatched some favorite films that almost nobody would classify as horror, but are bursting at the seams with top-notch horror imagery. What are some of your favorite examples of finding the genre's influence outside the genre? Someone, I'm gonna pivot to Justin. I, I, I'm really trying to think of stuff that's not considered horror, but I would consider horror. Well, I we were just kind of talking example. about this a little bit. Yeah, this I think a good example, Dan. You mentioned it would would be something like I May Destroy You, right? Um, not a not a horror show, but does have definitely does have horror imagery, right? And what I think of, though, for me, especially in the last decade or so, uh, I'll never forget watching The Social Network when it's revealed that Mark totally screws over, had screwed over Eduardo, and you find that out during the hearing. And I remember the entire audience just kind of going, oh. Yeah. Like, as though <laughs> you were seeing, seeing like, like, like a torture sequence. And I felt like that scene and that reveal... And it's from David Fincher, who does have experience with horror, right? Or even, like, horror-adjacent stuff like Seven and The Game and Alien Zodiac. 3, and the list goes on and on. And, and and you could feel, like, the walls closing in, and like, the intensity and the scare. It felt scary because you realize, oh, this is also based on a true story. And, like, this is what human beings are capable of. And that, to me, is, like, true terror when you find out, like, what humans are truly capable of. So that's an, that's an example for me of... of um, horror bleeding its way into a drama you know for me um well the first <laughs> I'm not, i promise i'm not even trying to be funny the first thing that came to mind i thought this when i when i saw it originally uh is the passion of the christ which is not a horror movie mm. but i mean you could argue it's torture porn in many ways and it's funny i don't agree with your the religious messaging of the movie or or mel gibson's views on religion or trying to convince others you know that that god is real or whatever else but I've always liked that movie because I think visually it very much feels like a horror movie. Not just the violence either, but the way they depict Satan and with the, the hairy baby in the crowd. And even when Judas hangs himself, there's a dead, I don't know if it's a dead camel or a dead donkey just lying there. The film is just peppered with these really grotesque symbols that, that I think are supposed to represent you know Satan and, and heaven and good and evil and whatnot, but to me are just on a on just on a really pure raw visual level feel like horror it feels like horror imagery to me um i from what i've read i think mel gibson was drawing more from religious paintings and things but to me the passion has always felt like a, a horror movie i mean it has it has violence has the supernatural in it um no country for old men was one that came to mind yeah. i mean that almost feels kind of like halloween to me and there's even sh- that shot where uh 
Tommy Lee Jones is investigating the hotel room and, and Anton Sugar is just kind of in the shadows and, and he hasn't seen there. That feels very much like, uh, yeah, like, like Michael Myers to me. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I could also see the Coen brothers saying, oh, yeah, that's supposed to be a thriller, supposed to be to be a horror movie. Um, and then one that I saw recently, it's not a movie, but um, the penultimate episode of The Sopranos, The Blue Comet, where a bunch of stuff happened. I, I don't want to spoil for anyone who's watching it, but a lot of shit hits the fan in that episode and the way it's it's shot much differently than a lot of the other um attacks or deaths are shot on that show it, it is almost shot like a horror movie yeah, yeah. i don't is I mean, there I guess a train I set involved in that they, yes yes okay, yeah, exactly yes, which that feels like a very so. hitchcock move there's a there's a, a a sequence that happens in in, in front of a train set and, mm-hmm. and uh yeah i think because each of the each of the prominent attacks in that episode almost feel like they're they're done like a classic horror sequence the yeah the blue comet um yeah so there's the ones that can honestly when i read that the first thing was the passion i've always i've always kind of viewed the passion as, as a more of a horror movie than a than a fun religious movie yeah i i was trying to rack my brain here i i there what comes to mind are like kind of movies that i think are absolutely more dramas with with horrific elements like a lot of cronenberg stuffs like that like dead ringers mm-hmm. um you know it leaves you uneasy and there are moments where you're like Ugh. <laughs> but uh it's not necessarily horror per se um but horror bleeding horror elements bleeding over and things like i the thing first thing that comes to mind for me is what everybody's watching right now is wandavision there are moments in yeah. that that are really unsettling and kind of horrifying uh on a in a totally different plane but i i think it's absolutely tapping into that idea you know uh, uh and 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 they do it in a uh, a scary way some because a couple of reveals i won't say what they are if you haven't seen the show a couple of reveals where you're like it's kind of jarring <laughs> um but th- that's all i can think of like right off the top of my head but I would say too with WandaVision I mean I think they're very much aware of horror because of that Halloween episode and they are they are playing a lot with oh what's what's scary on a superficial dress up Halloween level and then they get into some real scares later on in the episode when you find out what's really going on and also too I think just because they're genre comic book filmmakers I think they just and I mean the Marvel universe itself has dealt with horror a lot i think like it i can, I can tell they're easily. aware of it as yeah filmmakers. you can tell yeah. that they're fans of, of both mm-hmm. sean i think shutter's done a good job with this as well i mean there are movies on that service that aren't necessarily horror movies but do have yeah, yeah, horror true. imagery i think like you i think mac you mentioned like dead ringers it's, it's yeah. not a horror movie it's not it's it's, an, it's a really good intense drama with some horrific elements in it and they've actually got the ninth configuration up there. That's not a horror movie. Um, there are some incredibly intense moments, especially in the climax. But I do like how they're kind of branching out in a way. Yeah, I, I like they're, that. they're not drawing that hard line, mm-hmm. which I think is great because I think I think it will introduce people into to a a lot of great films, but yep. a lot of great a lot of different genres that might you know it's like okay well you don't have if you love horror you don't have to just watch horror you know like there's. There's other things that are really scary that aren't typically horror films per se. Mm-hmm. What was that one movie, um, Beast? It was a Shutter original, I think. Beast um, is really good. Yeah, and that, that, I, don't, I don't know if I call that a horror movie necessarily. And same actress. Uh, well, and this is actually kind of funny. So I'm thinking of ending things on Netflix. If you read the book, I'm thinking of ending things. That actually does feel like a horror novel yeah. to me. Like I was, ex- and then it was weird because I actually felt like the adaptation as it went on felt less and less like a horror story. But they also made some changes from the book. Definitely. So yeah, yeah that line well, is I definitely interesting. It's a good question. That. Yeah, because I, I like the movie, but I, I, 
I'm looking at it only from the movie standpoint. I really want to talk to you guys about the the book on another <laughs> day. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. No spoilers. Cool. Well, yeah, I think that's a good idea. That's a good thing to learn. And and if the listeners have movies that they think are great uh, and have horrific elements, like definitely shoot them our way or throw it up on the socials because uh, you know we're all about sharing here at the Halloweenies. And if there's <laughs> stuff we haven't seen, we want to know about it. We want to see it if it's good. With, um, with Jack Horror. Um, this is Jack Dan Horror. <laughs> and what was your chef's in Oh, the, the Scrimster. 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 Oh, man. I'm going to come up with... Uh, I'm going to draw these characters. I'm not a very good illustrator, but <laughs> I'm going to do it. Um, who, who who hasn't read a question? Someone, someone wants to go with the next one. Dan, uh, I think. Yeah, maybe Dan. All right, cool. Uh, this is from Nicholas Johnson. Uh what horror movie would you most like to dive into on a podcast that you haven't been able to get to? I'm just going to go off the top of my, this is just the first movie that came to mind and I think it hasn't been covered a lot. Um, I would say the lady in white, uh, Mm. which is an eighties horror movie. Almost actually speaking to our last question, almost kind of like a coming of age drama with, with horror elements. Um, it's it's not a perfect movie. I think it. I think as it goes on, it gets less scary. But I love the atmosphere in it, and it actually feels the mo- like the most Halloween fall of a movie that I can think of. Um, and I th- and I think Lucas Haas is really good in it as a little kid. And I just don't think, even in an age where lots of horror movies have been covered to death, I don't think that one has gotten talked about with quite the attention it deserves. So, yeah, that was mine. Uh, what about you, Justin? Well, you know, we're on a network with. The Losers Club and Psychoanalysis, just to name two, and so we, we do try not to bleed over, and I cover the same movies. You know, inevitably we we were going to do Scream this year because Scream's coming out, even though Psychoanalysis did the first Scream movie last year. But movies like like Fright Night, which Psychoanalysis did, um, you know, Hellraiser, which I know the Halloween yeah, we, we covered Patreon. It on the crate. I'm not the Halloween's, but this Losers yeah. Club Patreon. Mm-hmm. It, look, it's all incestuous at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> But I would love to do, I mentioned that earlier, uh, you know, the Fright Night Part 1 and 2. I think that would be a fun episode. I, I could talk about those movies, both of those movies, all day. Um, specifically Fright Night Part 2, actually, which does not yeah. get nearly as much uh, discussion as the original, but which I think is actually uh, one of the best horror sequels ever. Oh, you told, another, another example of great practical effects, too. Yes, absolutely. Both of those For a lot movies, less money, yeah. you know. So. It, it, it's a it's a film that it's a sequel that captures cha- a totally different <laughs> setting but totally captures the feel and tone and look of the original film and feels like a direct sequel and it, in many ways is um yeah I, I think that's that's a really good idea justin I, I i would i i can't believe we haven't covered them yet um something huge that we haven't covered that i'm like dying to get to but i think it, it could almost be a season Dario Argento movies like Suspiria like we haven't done any of those yeah, Italian absolutely. horror films and I not that they haven't been done probably a billion times but I think there's so much to say you know I mean so much of that stuff in those films is very ethereal and kind of you know take what you know you whatever you think it is it is is what you're taking from it you know kind of thing uh, in many ways um, and then you have some of the straight horror ones but <laughs> I, I think uh yeah, Suspiria for me, and uh, and those flicks like Tenebre and and all that would be awesome. To you cover. watched? Um, I know Suspiria is technically this, but a lot of his other movies are. Justin, you watched like all the Giallo movies, right? Or not all of them? Oh, I think them, right. Yeah, a lot, I've, I've watched a lot of his movies. Yeah. And I, I think Tenebre is that's that's pure Giallo, and that's 
Yeah. So good. I've, I've, two, I I've seen, I've seen Deep Red. Tenebre, I seen yeah. Red, I've seen Tenebre, Deep Red. Spirit. He did. What, what's the one trail? The Inferno and um. Inferno, oh damn, we saw the Inferno church. Inferno. Yeah. Yeah. Inferno yeah. was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Phenomenal. I think. I mean. I know his. As he's gone on, his movies have not been. They've gotten a little more like soft. We, yeah. We talked. It's kind of like you know some yeah, yeah. some some directors peak at a certain decade. Like some people make it to the eighties. Some people make it to the nineties. Some people make it to the aughts, and then you know. It just if it, but if you're Martin Scorsese, you just you keep you get going. To have it all. I, I can't. I can't wait. Honestly, I can't wait for. Um, uh, Flowers of the Killer Moon. That's a great source material, and I think he's going to do a great job with that. Hmm. Even though they're doing, they're going through. Speaking of horror, they're going through some casting hell of their own right now. I think people keep dropping out for some reason. So was it yeah. Army Hammer in it or something? Or? Nah, I think DiCaprio was <laughs> in it, but then he ended up doing another role in it. So Jesse Plemons was going to take it, but now I think Jesse Plemons is out. Oh really? I just saw um, Army Hammer pop up on the, you know, like when you're on Netflix or whatever, like they give oh, you like the S- little the little material. poster. It's sh- it's a it was it was the picture for Rebecca, mm. and which for a, for a long while was the picture of of what's her name from it, um, the girl from Cinderella, Justin and Down Lily Daddy, James. Lily James. And then, uh, but now it's like a picture of him and her in the background. It looks very much like something that you like from Hannibal. Like no joke, I'm not kidding. And I was like, are they oh, trying God. to capitalize on this? Would. Like I was like, this yeah. is so weird. I think they'd be doing damage oh, control. Man. But, yeah, yeah, you think so? We wish um, Army Hammer all the best. <laughs> yeah, she's um, in hell. I don't even no. know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't even. Uh, yeah, let's move to the next question here. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. Uh, Tim Neely says. Uh, when the Friday the 13th lawsuit is finally settled, could a Pamela Voorhees starring reboot work? And there's a second part of the question, but let's go, let's run with that first. It's interesting. I don't, we've talked about how, uh, Friday the 13th quite a bit. Um, I don't think this has ever come up. I think you could do a reboot where if Pamela Voorhees, I could see a reboot where you do Pamela Voorhees being the man behind the mask or you know what I mean like being like a, a female you know Jason like have the mask still but it be Pamela Voorhees and actually the be the idea that she's killing the counselors because they killed her kid and not ever have Jason come back but Jason obviously the name will still live on but it, it, Voorhees would be the thing that would be the you know the legend of, of Voorhees you know continues but it's just that you know different dimension version where it's just it actually is pamela coming back time and time again and maybe it's not her maybe it's her as a human in the first movie and maybe in the sequel she comes back from beyond the grave but uh i think you could do that i'd be interested uh if i mean they definitely haven't done anything like that so uh, <laughs> you know what i mean like how many more movies can we get that are just a straight remake of the original what do you guys think i think i mean i could i might don't quote me on this there, there's a series of uh, Friday the Thirteenth comics that are not too bad. I think they're from Wildstorm or IDW, one of those those companies. I want to say there's like a prequel that's about Pamela Voorhees coming to Crystal Lake when she's younger and having Jason and all that. Now I'm not saying. I mean, you hit a you hit a brick wall at a certain point, right? When Jason dies, but I don't know. Almost, I, the first thing that came to mind when I read this question was kind of a Bates Motel version of of them being at Camp Crystal Lake together, and maybe it does get supernatural at a certain point because the thing we always debate with Jason, if you don't follow Jason Goes to Hell, is okay. Well, how did you know? How did he go from a little boy to being a grown man? All this other stuff. I think there there would be a really cool way to stretch out the series in this kind of prequel way, and then maybe end it when 
you know, with, with the first campers coming to Crystal Lake. But I don't know. It's so easy to get lost in the weeds of that kind of stuff. Part of me is like, do we just start over Friday the 13th and just do something completely different, you know? Because my big problem with the, with the 2009 one is just it's all homage, you know? It's actually one of the few series where I'm like, yeah, actually reboot that maybe you could do something cool with it so yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of i'm a little wishy-washy on my answer to this question but uh, what about you justin uh, you know i i'm on the record i think friday 13th the original i think that is the best um movie in the franchise having said that i think for a friday reboot you know as i get older i always put on my producer hat right <laughs> like sure i think the j i think actually what you said mac with with having somebody running around with a hockey mask on they used to assume it's jason and it turns out it's pamela like that's a really cool twist but from a producer standpoint, it has to be Jason. And um, do we want to get into part two of this? Because I guess part two is like, what would you like to see in a Friday reboot? Yeah. So, so I, I guess so, like so bouncing off of that, to, I'll say it has to do with something you've created, Justin. Uh, well, yeah, my thing is a whole yeah, expansive great. thing that's really a like like a pipe dream in terms of like consumers and stuff like that, and like the impossibility of some of it. But I'll say this: I think so. In reality, for Friday reboot. You just really make it really simple. And the fact is this. Jason existed at some point. Pick and choose what movies you're talking about. People are aware of him having existed. He hasn't been seen in years. People go to go camp. Hire a really fucking good director. And make the movie. Like, I don't think we need to oversimplify this or make it simplistic. Just make it simple. Uh, there's a huge difference yeah. there. You know, I, just, I, just do it. There's so many I great visionaries a- out there that, that have these great looks like Oz Perkins, I think sometimes he, his movies uh, try a little too hard, or he, he, what's a criticism I can make here? He's got an incredible eye, but I think sometimes his storytelling is lacking. So what better project to give him than the Friday the 13th movie, which has the simplest story already laid out for you, so now you can really just lean into the visuals of that. Now, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying he'd ever do it, but hey, David Gordon Green did the Halloween, so maybe <laughs> Oz Perkins could do a Friday Thirteenth. You know? Yeah, and I, I, I have two two ideas. One's funny, and one's one's legit. <laughs> the first one would be, and I think I mentioned this before on on another episode, but I would love to see its present day. Uh, in in the the universe of that, it's been twenty years or however long it's actually been since the last Friday the Thirteenth movie. They've taken Camp Crystal Lake and turned it into a place where people have weddings. They've redone oh, it, and like the this. barn this is, is like a uh, where they have the barn mm. or, or whatever it is. Like they turned the that whole thing, and so everyone staying in the cabin and at the place is there for a wedding, and then Jason comes back because it would be so cool. I think to see you'd still be in the element, you'd still have all the all the camp elements there and everything, but you'd have a totally different cast of characters. You'd have old people, children, you know, anybody that would go to a wedding, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I just think that'd be cool. And then you could have a really cool band, you know, guest star as the <laughs> wedding band or something, you know. <laughs> uh, ultimately, that would be, I think that would be really good. And then if you go, if you go the, the part six route and amplify, go to extreme amplification of that idea and... Uh, that was a throwback to the earlier uh, thing. <laughs> the thing. Uh, and, Extreme amplification. And you do, basically, it's it's you actually do Jason Takes Manhattan, but you do it like Sex and the City, where you have Thomas Hayden Church as the voice and narrator of Jason, and it's very much just him, like, now he's he, he was left in Manhattan, and now he's trying to make his way, uh, just living his life in, <laughs> in the city. There I was, just a boy with a machete and a mask. I Who mean, knew honestly, what the big city had in front of me? 
I, knew, I didn't I know what joking, was in but... store. Oh, we get Harrison Ford back to do the narration. I didn't know what was in store, <laughs> but then again, who does? Who does? I, I'm not alive anymore. <laughs> the, I, I think, I mean, we, we joke, but I do think, you know, between stuff like Deadpool and Cabin in the Woods and um, Final Girl, I mean, Deadpool's not horror, but you know what I mean? Like, there is this metafiction meta is, you know, it's very in vogue right now. I, I, could, I could see them doing that, just like a really... You know, and then Jason's trying to get out of this and be and become a killer. Get like he's like, oh, I'm stuck in this like romantic comedy thing. Or I, I mean, I was gonna say, doing just a Jason takes Manhattan where we showcase Manhattan a little more. It could be cool. You know, just kind of course correcting a little bit. And yeah, oh, and, and this question did it came from John Klimczak, by the way, about what you would want to see in the in uh, um, the next installment of Friday the Thirteenth. Um, oh, yeah, it's kind of a combination of. Yeah, the, the ones yeah. before. Um, but yeah, I also tell, like I said, a uh, friend. I, I won't go too far in it because it is his script, and like you said, we'll see if it happen, happens one day. But uh, yeah, I mean, Justin Gerber has a, a very cool idea, I think, for a um, uh, a Friday reboot. Maybe we shouldn't say it because if anyone's listening, you don't want them to rip it off. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I yeah, it off. yeah, yeah. But it's, 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 it's trolls. They can run with my wedding idea. idea. <laughs> I know it's yeah, it's just the wedding. It's just Max. You know, what I think idea. of Mac when I think of, of your wedding idea is. Has anybody seen the movie Demon? This Polish movie that came out a few years ago. No, it's, it's on, on my list. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. No. It's, it's not. It's it's one of those movies. Kind of. It's not really. You could interpret it a couple ways, right? I don't know if it's a straight up horror movie either, but it definitely has horrific elements. It's very intense, but it's kind of a take on the Dybbuk story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Polish movie. It's a slow burn. But it's very unsettling. I can kind of just see the Jason setting where maybe it gets it's it's pouring down rain at a certain point, and people are kind of happy inside, but. You know, if you leave that venue, because we've all been to venues in the woods yeah. for weddings, and you know everybody's all together, but you can definitely walk twenty feet away and, and be in total isolation. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so well, I think it's a really fun a, idea. Yeah. You have a lot of couples sneaking off and you know, yeah. doing things they shouldn't. Uh, sure, <laughs> yes, a, we do. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. stories there. <laughs> who do you think? And Justin said Oz Perkins. Yeah, as far as director, uh, yeah, who who would be good for that? I mean, I, I agree in that. Like, it doesn't need to be someone who's great with story necessarily. Man, just get- Jeremy Solinaire, like, I, <laughs> yeah. I want to get I want to get him to do a Friday movie because I think you have to give it that real down to earth, gutsy, gross in your face like reality of things happening kind of feel again. Uh, I think you could take it that route and and do it really well. Again, I don't want to see a straight adaptation of Friday the Thirteenth and trying to take it serious. I think if you, if you keep Jason and you you want to try to stay true to the lore or the canon and adhere to some of the films or whatever, you've got to, I feel like you have to stay more like taking it tongue in cheek. I don't think you can do, like 2009's, like, like you said, it's pretty much an homage movie where it's a straight, you know, remake of the original material. It's like the remake of three movies basically didn't work I, I don't think i just don't think you can do that anymore there's just too many of these movies now i think if you're going to do it you've got to go from it from a different angle and this isn't you know this isn't like making superman superman or man of steel where we're taking something that's always been light and and turning it dark like no you're just taking a horror movie and that's been funny it's been dark it's been all over the map it's been in space uh and and just making it a more realistic feel which i don't think they have done since the first film yeah i i actually watched it's funny because i know i i wasn't i didn't hate it as much as other people but i wasn't crazy about it um 
you know, I know Adam Adam Wingard got tapped to do this Blair Witch sequel, and I, I really like a lot of Adam Wingard's movie. I wasn't a huge fan of, of that one, so part of me is like, how oh, do we need to give him like another remake or reboot sequel, whatever you want to call it, kind of thing. That being said, I mean, when I look at the aesthetic of Year Next and just how he handles crossbows and survival horror and stuff that comes up a lot in Friday the 13th movies, I'm like, oh, I True. could see him doing that if he just had a really bare-bones, simple script, wasn't trying to do anything too crazy with it. I also just watched that horror movie alone, and I don't... I was looking at the director. I guess he's, like, famous for the Universal Soldier movies or something. Yeah, it's... Uh, but, oh, David Hyams, I think? His, yeah, but his I... His father's man, Peter I thought, Hyams. I thought the direct, directing in that movie was really out of this world, and I thought... I, I think he had such a good movie. grasp on what the wilderness looks like and how to use the wilderness to your advantage, and it's a super simple movie. Um, huh. I, I really enjoyed it, well, so I, I think he could be a good fit. I mean, it, it's always tough with directors, because, you know, it's not like... You can have everyone has their dogs in their past, right? Um, and you could be awesome and and maybe no through no fault of your own, totally bungle a movie because of studio interference. Or I mean, there's a million things that can happen, especially when you're dealing with existing IP. I feel like so it's it's tough. Naming the director was kind of I think I, I there, was, there was actually somebody who asked that question for this episode, but we'd answer it in the last episode I think, and it kind of bled its way into this one either way. So I, I think that's why I removed it. But I think in the last one I said. Uh, Deborah Granick because she did Winter's Bone and she did mm, yeah. Leave No Trace. Now again, we'd be looking at a, a you know a, 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 a prestige director, as it were. But you want to talk about like, capturing the woods? I mean, she does an incredible job in those two movies. Yeah. So that'd be a fun, it'd be a fun woods trilogy for her to be Winter's Bone, Leave No Trace. You know, these Academy Award nominated films yeah. and Friday the Thirteenth, Twenty Twenty Two. Well, Justin, the you want to take the next, the next question? This is a good question because I'm a huge uh, uh, film historian. I'm a film buff. Uh, Brett, East Socially Distant Litman, asks, okay, we've got a Revisionist Academy Awards. If you were to give Oscars for Best Picture, Actor, Actress, and Director for any horror films that probably got shut out due to genre bias, what would they be? So for me, I actually answered um, all of these Every category is it for a different movie. Did you guys do the same thing I did? Yeah, uh, I chose three. I did yeah, three different movies. Yeah, I actually didn't. Funny enough, it didn't do Best Picture, but go ahead. I'll figure okay. it out. <laughs> um, so I did uh, for Best Picture, uh, and these are Psycho, which was not even nominated for Best Picture, even though Hitchcock oh, was nominated for Best Director. And Hitchcock, by the way, let me just do a little um, rant here. I understand that we want to see the best movies nominated for Best Picture and things like that. But keep in mind, whenever you think somebody's been snubbed for an award or for winning an award, Alfred Hitchcock never won an Academy Award for Best Director. So, you know, I, I, I honestly wish you would just get rid of awards altogether and just have, like, top ten lists at the end of the year, have publications put out their favorites, and call it a day. Because the Academy Awards has just led to... It's just a nightmare. It's not fun anymore, if it ever was fun to begin with, so... Get rid of the awards and just... Because this is another example. If I asked you what won Best Picture in 1961 for 1960 movies, who's going who's gonna to know the answer to that? Hardly anybody. Uh, but if I ask you what or... Psycho, you're going to know what Psycho is, even if you haven't seen Psycho, you know? What did That's win the, the Best Picture then? I have no clue. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't it's Psycho. It's probably like, I don't know, like an adaptation. It, it, of... and you know, it could have been a great movie. Who knows? I'm just saying Psycho well, is one yeah. of the greatest movies of all time. So... Uh, for best actor, uh, I would have Dwayne Jones, Nia Living Dead. I think he's uh, absolutely fucking great in that. And I think he is easily the best actor in that movie. Like he, 
he's just great in that movie. Anyway, uh, for best actress, uh, how about D. Wallace for Cujo? Oh man, we had talked about yeah, that on the. We co- were you on the? That. I can't I, remember. No, I was on, on the episode. The commentary. Yeah, we talked there. about how good she was. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about how. It's funny with these movies because, yeah, Cujo doesn't deserve to get Best Picture, probably, but that there can be a performance within these movies that definitely... I think I think we specifically mentioned her. Yeah, she's fantastic in that. And I think... I don't want to step on any toes, so I'll, I'll write down somebody else here to remind myself if nobody else says this person. But there's somebody in, in recent time I think that I, definitely I think should is, have been nominated. But I'll, I'll keep going. Oh, I, I have someone who has been talked... The movie's not recent, but has been talked about recently, very recently, that I had uh, on there. But I don't know if it's the uh, person you have. Yeah, go for it, Dan. Best director. Oh, yeah, sorry. Danny Boyle for 28 Days Later. Yeah. I mean, just, not just, I mean, yeah. digital, the use of digital, that's such a groundbreaking movie, and that's the best way it works. And I added another one here. Best score, Goblin, Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Let's go. That score's fucking that's amazing. That's such a great score. All right, so there you go. That's that's my, uh, those are my. Oh, great score. That's a good my- idea, so I had for best actress, I had Shelley Duvall for The Shining, um, which which is once once again not um, not the movie's not recent, but the there was that article about her a couple weeks ago, yeah. just you know covering that. I think she one I don't know I don't know if it's just because knowing what she had to endure, but also just people always like to say oh she's like a doormat character, she's not good, blah blah blah. But I can't think of, for me I, I can't think of another performance in that category where I just believe so much that this person is scared for their life you know yeah. I mean? and, and yeah I guess you could argue okay maybe it's not the most emotionally complex um, role but I think just in terms of like convincing the audience that oh my god she is so frightened of, of what's happening to her I, I can't think of a, another example best picture and it's funny because I, I completely agree with you Justin about awards when I think about I mean, every now and then, yeah, you get a thing like Parasite that wins, sure. right? Where I'm like, oh, that's like an interesting movie. I don't even need the movie to be perfect. I just want to see more provocative, different feeling movies win. I mean, you have a Moonlight, you know, right? Like, you know, you, the, we we are maybe getting to the point where some of those movies are getting like like Moonlight and Parasite to me didn't feel like anything else that came out this that those years. My, the year it came out was it was my favorite movie. It was uh, It Follows, and um, mm, yeah. you know, it's I don't know. I I was not a huge fan of under the silver lake or whatever the next one was. And I, I, the director to me, sometimes I'm like, ah, d- does he really know what he's doing thematically? Cause it's easy just to say, well, it's up for you to, to interpret, you know? And then you're like, well, yeah, true. But also like you have to be going for something. Right. And I don't feel that way about silver lake, but it follows. I actually feel like the movie is in total control of what it's doing. It feels completely unique as a, just as a film overall. And also as a horror film, just the idea of making someone slowly walking after you scary. Like I had not seen another movie do that. I just really like where it's at aesthetically, and he he feels in control of what he's trying to say while also leaving it open ended enough for the audience to talk about it. Like I, everyone has a theory about that movie, and I feel like when it came out, it was if you talked about horror movies, it was just the you know all that was like what came up. I mean, it's it's maybe my favorite horror movie of, of the past like decade yeah, I, or so. I've loved yeah. that movie. I, I, I think love it's it. I think it's it's brilliant. And hey, I think I think he's a Florida State guy too. Went to our uh, our oh. alma mater or somewhere. Yeah, but um, see, so yeah, it follows State. for me. And we'll, oh, and, and I don't know. I know. I I think he's kind of falling out of favor a little bit for a variety of factors. But um, I, Neil Marshall, The Descent, I think is. Yeah. I think the direction yeah. of The Descent is fantastic. Uh, even acting fantastic. awards, I feel like uh, <laughs> fantastic. Mar- I think it's fantastic. <laughs> marvelous, marvelous. Um, Come on. Like, a little Kel- I, sometimes I can't remember what. <laughs> 
we've talked about on the pod and what's in the text. <laughs> I know, I know. For listeners, we're just imitating We've just been doing a lot of Schwarzenegger impressions lately, folks. And Kelsey Grammer, yeah. Kelsey Grammer too. And Kelsey Grammer, yeah. Mom, oh, I, we should, mom, uh, oh, I should have also mentioned this. Sorry to cut you off, Dan, but no, no, God, that's those are I, my like, choices. Yeah. These are just these are movies that I mentioned that the people were not even nominated for. So yeah, you know, yeah, Get Out I? was nominated for Best Picture, mm-hmm. so that's why I didn't include it here. But yeah. I'm yeah. Not yeah. Psycho was not even nominated for Psycho. So Best Picture. was Hereditary nominated for anything? Or well, that's or well, that's where I'm getting. Can I go? Yeah, go ahead, Max. Sorry. Oh, did you list everything, Max? Dan, were you done with your? Yeah, that's that's everything for me. Yeah, I. Best actress Tony Collette. I, I don't know. Was she one. nominated? No, she nope. wasn't. Right? It's, yeah. And that's that's nuts. Crazy that's to me. crazy that feels, to me. She, her yeah, performance in that nuts. is so good, uh, and it's so clear that that was not nominated because it's a horror film. You know, it's just yeah. ridiculous. Even uh, prestige horror has a hard time, I think, sometimes getting yeah. getting its due. Um, I think another Twenty Eight Days Later, Best Actor Killian Murphy in, in that mm-hmm. flick, mm. I think, is super good, and that was such a great like breakout role for him. Um, Best director, I see. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think. I don't think that they were nominated at all. I think some stuff got nominated, maybe. But for Under the Skin, Jonathan Glazer. I don't think Under the Skin got any nominated for anything. That's, yeah, I, that's, that's that's the direction crazy that movie too. Because I think that is look it up. really real well, well done flick. Um, I love that movie. Yeah. But this is actually fun. We could man, this could be a whole episode. Oh yeah, I know. You could right? actually do like every single category, like like best oh, supporting totally, actor yeah. Billy Zane um, for Demon Knight. <laughs> yeah, he's Demon Knight. Yeah. he's great in that movie. Um, that could my, that could be a cool uh, a cool Oscar season. Maybe yeah, let's maybe, table maybe, this. Maybe, let's maybe table we do. Let's, yeah, maybe yeah, we'll do yeah, that. Yeah. That's a fun cool. idea. Um, That's a fun idea. I would do, and then my other last two, I'm going to go with best picture. Because I know that they weren't doing. I don't even know the the Oscars weren't around probably. <laughs> 1928, <laughs> The Fall of the House of Usher, that silent film. Oh yeah, I think is That's so really good. good, and really just captures the mood of horror. I think it's such a good uh, flick. If you if you can get your hands on it, I think a lot of libraries have it. The 1928 silent film version. I think it's French film. Uh, it's so good, uh, and there's a lot of really cool uh, modern soundtracks that people have put on top of that. Yeah. And then Under for, the Skin has a good soundtrack too, man. I'm just like, I'm forgetting about it. Oh, that's, that's best picture. I'm saying for best picture. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just looking I, at accolades. Yeah, I don't. I would yeah. say. I, I Carp- definitely don't. I don't think it was nominated. nominated right? But let's give. Oh yeah, right. But I would give it to Howard Shore's score for The Fly. Oh yeah, I think that is fantastic. And I think this is an is episode. that flick. But what'd you say, Justin? I think this is a this is a whole episode. Potentially. Yeah, I, I do. I think that's a good idea. Well, you know, we could do uh, we could question, all like, dress up in suits <laughs> yeah. and everything, tuxes and and recorded or something like that. Yeah, we, we do Zoom. a red carpet we'll, show. We'll record Just, the Zoom. Yeah, we'll do. I mean, the bottom we'll line is couple, this: horror movies have been shunned. Together. Together. For <laughs> for like a century, it just it just always they always yeah. will be for some reason. You think? I mean, I know comedies kind of also get the shaft, but uh, horror movies even more so, and it's it's a shame. Yeah. All so right. There you go. Let's just run through these next two. What's the next like one there, Dan? <laughs> Dan, you want to take this one? Yeah, I'll take this one. I'm, I would gladly take this one. This is from Grant Herson. How many of the Puppet Master movies do you think are better than The Irishman? Now, I was a real Puppet Master oh, head wait, growing up. Re- <laughs> I was say, the guy that said 
None of Friday the 13th was better than the Irishman. I thought you were going to start talking about how you thought no, some no, no. of the best no. were better. <laughs> no, I, I don't think any of them are better than the Irishman. I mean, I know this is just a joke, but I mean, for real, I don't think any of them are better than the Irishman. That being said, I mean, I, I love the first three Puppet Master movies. I still have all the action figures. I got Pinhead. I got Leech Woman. I got Tunneler. I got Torch. I got uh, I got I got Jester. Do you really? I, got Blade. I don't think I've seen any of these. Got oh man, I got them all in my closet. I'll, I'll post you open the closet; they're not there anymore. You, you open oh, yeah. the closet, and you, he has the case. And he opens it up, just like in the <laughs> original cover. You know? Caffrey's Revenge. Um, but the, the, I I love those first three movies. I think I mean they're like you know low, low budget, but the the puppet design's really cool. Um, yeah. William Hickey's great as Toulon. This the three the first three movies then can make up a really cool trilogy. Four and five is when they they get into the uh, the alien race of the totem, which is where it feels just not. Uh, I like to that me. fourth one though. I mean, it's kind of fun. It's it's like a, they're they're fun. They just stop being scary, and then after that, Ugh. they just become. I haven't even seen all of them. They just become like recycled footage. Yeah. And Anytime you see them nice. move, it's recycled footage, which mm-hmm. is a bummer. I I do think I I haven't watched it yet. I've heard the Littlest Reich, which I think is with Thomas Lennon, uh, is you like know, a it's polarizing. Fun, is it fun? Yeah. What do you guys think? But I, I actually yeah. enjoyed it. But I'm like, yeah. look, I'm one of these people that likes to kind of have the uh, the envelope pushed a little bit. It's very unpleasant. Is it really okay? And I'll very, watch it. Yeah, it's yeah, messed up movie. I understand why people wouldn't like. I understand why people wouldn't like it. Is it like a satire yes. puppet master movies or what? It's kind uh, of it's no. I'll let you watch it. All right, I'll, it I'll, was, I'll put that on my list. If yeah. it was a smarter film, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah, yeah. So my answer is that none of them are. But if I was going to choose, I, but I, but I will stand for puppet masters to sell the action figures and say that the first the first three definitely I I think are a good trilogy. Four. Is like what, and then five loses me. But I at least respect four and five because they're doing something different. Then after, after yeah, that, I watched I um, get some Retro Puppet Master. A Retro Puppet Master, yeah. Which stars, um, isn't it the guy Mark from, from uh, the, the Room? Oh, he's oh, young oh. too long. Oh, he's in it. Greg Sestero. He's young too long. Wow. He's like the star yeah, of the movie. Guys? He's trying to put on like a French accent or a German accent. It's so bad. <laughs> oh, man. What, what about you guys? Would you would you uh, would you consider any of the Puppet Master movies? I mean, I've, I guess I've only seen really seen sat through like five of them. The, all the other ones, I've just like I, cursed I the Puppet Master. Point, and all yeah, that so, yeah. What about you guys? No. <laughs> yeah, none, of, none cool. of the Puppet Master movies are better than the Irishman. But I think this is a, a fun question to bring up the Puppet Master movies. Yeah, uh, I mean, this, yeah, this, I've this, seen you, the first three, and then I've seen the new one that just came out. But I. And I've maybe seen bits and pieces of the other ones. You know, I, I can say I've, I, I can actually say I've definitely seen a lot of the other films because I've seen the first three movies because most of it's recycled. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. There, there's like a um, stretch of three or four movies that it's just like the Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 approach to the, the whole franchise. I mean, uh, Six Shooter, he's a great puppet. I'm just remembering. But yeah. isn't there like laugh. Puppet Master versus Dollman or am I mixing up? Oh, Is that God, Demonic Toys? Some of that. Versus Demonic Toys, yeah. It's like another full moon property. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, those, the first few are really cool because, I mean, Full Moon is never known for its high budget or its prestige, but I, I really think those first few are really making do with what they have and are yeah. really effective. I, th- I mean, there's some really creepy sequences in the in the first two movies, uh, especially. It is funny, though, how the Puppet Master series, in comparison to The Irishman, is somewhat of a unifier <laughs> among us, because I, I was the only one who, who said that The Irishman yeah. is better than all the, the 13th movies. But it seems like we can all agree that the Irishman. Well, is because than we were, what we were saying was the Irishman. What the Irishman set out to do was that more successful than what Friday the Thirteenth set out to do? And I was saying, <laughs> no, I think Friday the Thirteenth um, set out to make this movie, look, and they did it better than the Irishman did trying to make this movie. We uh, 
to be fair, look, we retired this bit with. Uh, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. But but look, you know, if somebody asks a question, we're going to answer the question. You know, these are yeah, I agree, these, I these agree. people are on Patreon. We're going to answer the yeah. question. Give you the goods. My answer would be when you're, when you're uh, my answer would be no. <laughs> I think The Irishman is better than all eleven or twelve puppet master movies. But there are still, like you said, Dan, there are some enjoyable uh, entries in the franchise for sure. Yeah, so. no knocks against totally. puppet master. And, and just last one, I feel bad even asking it because for this bit to really work, Vanderbilt has to be here. Yeah, because I'm not sure what this is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the Milo and Otis joke. Um, uh, we always talk about. Is that the one where all the cats and dogs died? And the answer is yes. yes this is yes. the one movie where all the cats and dogs died. Matt Elliott, there you go. Matt Elliott, what's up? Yeah, <laughs> I I, for, I've, I immediately went to I'm like, wait, white god? I'm like, no, there's not cats and white god. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really, I was really racking my brain. It was, such a, it was such a my deep dog cut skip. joke. Yeah. With Milo and Otis, though, isn't it just the dogs? Did they go through a bunch of cats too? I thought I it was just the dog. Was the dog off, like, fighting the, the bear? Stuff like that, didn't they? I thought it was like the dog fighting the bear. Yeah, I don't know, man. That was I didn't no, even I, know that. I think they used like fifty cats. This is no joke. Maybe this is a urban legend thing, but I swear <laughs> they were like throwing cats? cats off of like cliffs and shit, like for effects. Oh, man, and Wait, is the movie Russian or something? What is it? It's it's not American, right? No, it's I think like it's, a, it's somewhere in Asia. I can't remember if it's Japanese or Chinese. Or so funny. I like that movie as a kid. I used to watch all I, I had no idea about it. Did they do like American an American version. version where they filmed like American people? No, in it's just is it literally it's just straight a different up narration. The, the, okay. So Dudley it is, Moore does it's, the American version. Yeah, I'm getting that mixed English up version. with like Homeward Bound, you know, having like yeah. there's a human yeah. element well, to it, you know? Yeah. Because Homeward lived. Bound, they have celebrities voicing the animals themselves. Mylon Otis is just an omniscient narrator, right? It's yeah. not like a, yeah. Interesting. Dudley Moore going like no one, this. Hey, no one movie in that genre, I do, I I saw parts of it as a kid and liked it, um, but never watched the whole thing. Is The Bear? Y'all ever see that? It's like a that French, movie for me, uh, I feel like that came out when I was a kid, and we were all kids, and it just yeah. didn't really call to me. Like, I think I was going to really enjoy it as a kid. I, I wonder if dad it watching. I, I just remember the beginning where I think the I think it's really sad. I think the mother bear is trying to get a beehive or something, and then she falls off a cliff, and then the then that's what kicks off the <laughs> oh, story wow. is the baby bear. I, but it's really like, I think it's like pretty impressive for what they, because I think the movie gets a lot of accol- accolades for not mistreating the animals. Oh, they weren't throwing bears off a of cliff? And, and still making this really thrilling movie. I mean, it took years to make, I think. But um, yeah, I, I, I was thinking about, about watching that, because as a kid, I, I remember that opening sequence and being very moved by it. So oh, yeah, I, I think that same guy did uh, Two Brothers, which is the the tiger movie so yeah he's he's definitely working oh, yeah. in, in his genre we're sorry vanderbilt isn't here matt i know i know that yeah, yeah. that joke works uh <laughs> there's three three than... bear movies uh that, that i'll recommend that's uh, the edge with anthony hopkins and up baldwin and uh i <laughs> the revenant and uh i think there's a bear in benji the hunted <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a really actually no joke that I, I won this blu-ray i think it was at a music box of horrors and they did the the trivia i don't remember what the question was i won a i won some trivia question you could go down and pick like a like a, from a bunch of blu-rays and i randomly picked this bear survival horror movie called backcountry that's very good it came out oh, a few years I've ago i've heard about this yeah it's really good um it's very real stripped down and minimalist um all practical effects uh it yeah it, it, it was excellent i just kind of got it I'm like oh, I, I like animal horror so like i'll try this out and um yeah there's some really creepy sequences definitely highly oh, cool. recommend backcountry i've got some i got an update here yeah okay. about my little notice um, now this is kind of going back and forth. Some people dispute this. Some people are insisting that's true. It says that many animal cruelty allegations were made against the film, including the alleged killing of over twenty kittens, the director Jesus breaking Christ. a cat's paw, and a cat plunging over a hundred feet off a cliff. So who do you believe? From what we've learned from like 
people who make movies over the last few years, I'm inclined to believe that, that probably did happen. <laughs> yeah, I, unfortunately. It's I am not it a big, like, I'm, I'm kind of anti-conspiracy theory for the most part, but when it comes to Hollywood, and the, mistreatment, and the mistreatment of animals goes. back in the, and way back in the too, day, I mean, like, like yeah. oh yeah, when I hear just about, when I hear just about like like horrible stories about mistreatment in Hollywood, or I, I'm just inclined to believe it. Usually, I don't know if that's bad or unfair of me, but I yeah, when I when you, I mean, because think about all this stuff. I mean, I mean, not we won't get too far into this topic, but. Yeah, think about all this stuff with wine scenes and whoever else, and you just hear about this, and you know that's just the tip of the iceberg with all that, right? So, like, if all that happened, yeah, I'm inclined to believe that uh, some director mistreated a bunch of kittens. I mean, it's sad, but yeah, yeah. I, I, the, the older I get, I, I'm just more inclined to believe in the sliminess that exists behind the scenes, which is hopefully going away as we get a little more progressive, but we yeah. shall see. Dan, where so. can we find you on the socials now? <laughs> yeah, now that yeah, if you want to come at me about it. Uh, no, it's not my pivot, I'm at, but I'm I think that... DW Caffrey on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, my website is dancaffreywrites.com. Say hi, uh, share your thought, share what your horror host name would be, because I, I I would want to hear it. Yeah, we might make that a post. I think that'd be fun. That's really fun. Yeah, I like um, that a lot. Justin, where can we find you on the? Um, you can find me on Twitter. I think it's at Justin Gerber seven because I, over the last 10 years, at some point I canceled like six of my accounts and I started getting disgusted <laughs> with Twitter. You can find me on Instagram as well. Um, I should also point out that the American Humane Association attempted to investigate the cruelty rumors on the set of mile notice. And while noting that the context had also heard the allegations, they were unable to verify them. Uh, the same report noted that several Japanese humane societies allowed their names to be used in connection with the film at the film quote unquote shows no animals being injured or harmed so I just want to say that uh, as now show it, nothing yeah. was ever proved so <laughs> oh, let's, uh, let's leave those people those, those people alone and uh, yeah you can find me on cool. the Losers Club too. you can find all of us in the Losers Club too yeah so you can find us all in the Losers Club and we've got a lot of great content over there um, and very di- varied different content because we try to make sure there's not too much bleed over uh, here at the Halloweenies uh, and you can find me, Wolfman Mac, uh, which Wolfman underscore Mac underscore Gerber on Instagram and uh, Mackenzie James 25 at Twitter. I'm a new I'm a I'm a I'm a newbie to Twitter. So uh, uh, bear with me. <laughs> I'm not on, I'm not on quite as much as people would want me to be, but uh, I'm, I'm getting there. Um, don't well, throw him off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, yeah don't, and, uh, don't Milo and notice him. Don't exactly. kill 100 Max. Oh, good Lord. Well, that was fun. Uh, I'm stuffed. That was a lot of good candy, Uh, a lot of of good treats and uh, tricks, as it were. I think um, it was all those uh, black and orange caramels. Do you remember those (laughs) black and orange candies? Oh, like the the wax orange and black wrapping. Yeah, they're like, were they like peanut butter? Yeah, they weren't good. I don't even know what they they were. I don't think my parents, I don't think they let me eat those because because you can easily like unwrap them and wrap them back yes, back yes. up again you know yeah um, well you know thanks for joining us today on another very special patreon episode this is a patreon episode yes or is this going to be on no. the main feed main feed oh this is on the main feed well here's a little preview of um, some of the extra stuff that you can get on uh, the rewind uh, we really do appreciate all your questions and love interacting with everybody I uh, hope you're looking forward to the other treats we have in store this month which includes our main feed flick prom night uh, this month, we've got our rental episode, uh, a sleepaway camp, if I'm not mistaken. And then yeah, Brian also Burnett doing... selection because he was on, he did our witch tier in which you're able to select oh. a movie for us to cover. So that's no nice. Very nice. So yeah, that's something to look into folks. And then we're also going to be covering, uh, Leprechaun starring Warwick Davis and Jennifer Aniston. Yep. Audio uh, commentary. That's our audio Leprechaun. commentary. 
That's our audio commentary this month. And then, uh, yeah, so have fun trick-or-treating. But remember, when the street lamps turn on, it's time to come home. But if you're one of the real Halloweenies, one of the real trolls, as Romero put it, we'll see you next time. I wish I had you all alone, just the two of us. I would hold you close to me, so close to me. Consequence Podcast Network.